Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on February the 4th, 2013. Newcomers, as always, you should help yourself to the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Lots of audios for free download and you can start to understand the system you're in and the history of the big plan. Many names for the same thing, of course. New World Order, Big Plan, The Great Transition. And the, we're really going through the Great Transition right now. Having for quite some time, in fact. Part of it was to do with wars, cultural wars done through the last 50 odd years. Been very successful if we're breaking down all societies. And you're going through the fallout today too, and massive taxation to take care of all the fallout and so on. Because the family units are wiped out, and there's a lot of single mums out there. There's other ones just want abortions. You pay for it all, you see. This is all fallout from just, just the one aspect of it alone, in fact. But there's many uh, fallout reactions all over the place, of course, because, to say, culture had to be destroyed, especially of some peoples, and that's why you're going through massive multiculturalism today. And it's forced multiculturalism. Don't blame the people who are coming in. They're being forced in. Uh, by wars, which uh, the guys who already dominate you in your own countries are forcing them, uh, them up, uh, upon them. So then they set up immigration to get them out of the countries, and you're left to cope with the fallout of that too. So, as I say, um, don't blame the, the immigrants that are coming flooding in, and they are flooding in, so would you be too if your places were getting bombed apart back home. Now, Remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep ticking on. I just tick along here. That's about it. After I pay all the bills and the satellite uploads and all the rest of it to get this kind of news out, to put it into a coherent order, because you can prattle about what's happening today and then tomorrow. It's another bunch of news that the media dumps on you to prattle about, too. And you've got to understand the reasons why they, what they're dumping on you, why they're dumping it on you. And it's meant to really alter your mind, get, get ready for other things to come down the road. And also to make you feel helpless in a world that's just gone crazy where you have no power. That's part of it too, learned helplessness as well. So as I say, help yourself the website uh, and understand the big system. Remember you can order the books and discs, discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or you can donate. And from the U.S. to Canada, don't forget you can use personal checks or international postal money orders. You would send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. As I say, straight donations are awfully, awfully seriously welcome too. But we are going through the Great Transition, and this is, this is a stage they knew that they'd get us to 50 years ago when they sat and um, talked about all the cultural changes they would bring in 50 years, which they've all done, by the way. And... The Great Transition is when the fallout hits all of society, and at the same time, most folk are broke, because they, they, they were going to bring us into austerity at this time. It's right on cue, you understand. Nothing happens by chance. It's right on cue. And you have to learn to live, as they call, sustainably, as they bring the populations down in a post-consumerist society. And that's where we're going to right now. It's all to do with that.
Uh, in Britain, it's just an absolute mess of uh, uh, unemployment, high, high, massive taxations, and folk can't uh, save up enough money to even get out of the country, most of them, and never mind get a place to even go. But that is the agenda, and it's the same agenda for other countries too. Canada will have its time, and, and the U.S. already is, has its time coming in because Jacques E. Lull talked about that, or Jacques Attali, I should say, who at the United Nations talked about the future for America in his first big book about it, and that was uh, uh, Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order, the Millennium, it was called. He said that the next boat people will be Americans leaving for other countries trying to get work abroad. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. I've mentioned many times about the, the trial schools that people like Bertrand Russell were allowed to operate. Schools really that were, 1920s for instance in Britain, if you were promoting pre-pubertal sex for instance, uh, anywhere else you'd been hung uh, or thrown off cliffs by the parents. But not these days of course because you can't do these sort of things supposedly because it's, it's, it's nasty and it's against the law. But it's a natural reaction of course and people used to be pretty natural back then. But of course he pushed that envelope too to make sure that uh, to see if, if uh, people who were engaging in, in very young sex would ever mate later on with anybody for any length of time then they wouldn't have children because they wanted to destroy the family unit you see. And then, of course, in our own day, pornography has been creeping up there and creeping up there until it's all over the mainstream too, uh, soft porn really, and uh, and there's hard porn. And all the children watch this stuff, their parents watch this stuff. Um, it's getting taught in school, haven't you tried all of these different things? Have you tried, you know, even guys, have you tried other guys? Maybe something wrong with you if you haven't. And women too. And you're, you're seeing children doing it. You understand when, when adults say these things to you, it's giving them permission to do it. It's very simple. And the fallout is everywhere. But I like the spin on this article. It says, this is from California. You should say in Britain, that's where all social cancers start and spread out across the world. And it's true, because they're always avant-garde and everything, you understand. And it says, a Lutheran school closes as stunned parents learn that their five-year-old children were performing oral sex on each other. So it's got younger. A few years ago, I read the article on the air here, where from girls' magazines, they're all getting taught, and it's getting promoted again, even through much music and music television that the girls would wear these little kind of bracelets, one for each guy that she'd had. And that they were only about 12 years old, a lot of them apparently. Well, now it's only five. So a California preschool is closing after parents allegedly discovered sexual activity between four- and five-year-old students. Four- and five-year-olds. So the students engaged in, are enrolled in preschool at their first Lutheran Church of Carson School, engaged in oral sex in a variety of places, including during nap time in the tunnel slide on the playground and in an outside bathroom, according to attorney Greg Owen, who represents the alleged victims. It all, bo- it all boils down to a lack of supervision. Really? Does, is that what it is? I mean, when, when I, I never saw this stuff growing up. And there was no supervision. And most of it were like that too. 
So here they're they're blaming lack of supervision. He says, there were times when teachers would let aides in the room for hours at a time to watch children. During nap time, the aides would be sleeping and the children would have been molesting each other during the time. And it's a video with it for those who are kinky enough to watch it. But it says here, church leaders claimed that the closing was connected to the school director resigning and claimed sexual relations between students were not a factor. They said the director was resigning for personal reasons. California Department of Social Services cited the school for one sexual encounter as well as an improper student-teacher ratio. Uh, Owen will file a suit Monday in Los Angeles County Superior Court against the school, the church, the principal, the teacher, and an alleged uh, child perpetrator because the child's age cannot be identified under law. And parent Richard McCarthy said his four-year-old son received oral sex from a five-year-old girl at the school on multiple occasions. He told me about all the bad things that girls had been doing to him. McCarthy said it went down in the classroom, it went down in the bathroom, it went down on the playground. And the girl performed oral sex on at least, at least one other boy. Their lives will be ruined in many ways, Owen said, and we know there are many more victims. See, this is just your standard stuff, and people yawn nowadays at this kind of stuff, because remember, I mentioned before, uh, that the big world meeting where all the different departments for the censor, for censors, you know, for media censors get together for entertainment censors and so on. And, uh, they decided that time, uh, 2001 it was, just before the bombing, uh, that, uh, they'd won the victory for homosexuality and going to promote more and more homosexual comedies and so on on television. And then two professors, one in Canada, one in the States at the same time, the very next day, it was, it was the same script, obviously. Uh, they said they attended, and now that we've won that battle, it says the next battle is for intergenerational sex, they called it, uh, which is pedophilia and bestiality. And they're not kidding. They're not kidding, folks. So understand, too, going back to the Frankfurt School and Theodorno and all his pals, his cohorts, all his kin, you might say, said they'd have to destroy society completely. Utterly, completely, right down to, to their dregs, so there's no society left. The same thing, of course, as Marx said as well, because you see, they were Marxist as well, but they went under the guise of psychology and psychiatry and uh, tried to see that all the people in the Western world, the dominant people there, were all psychotic because they wouldn't like a certain people. They just had a natural dislike, therefore they were psychotic for not allowing themselves to be ruled by them. So they said they'd have to destroy all these societies to make it all happen. And guess what? It's all happened. It's all happened, folks. It's in the past now. And also, more on Jimmy Savile, the sex probe in Britain, as police demand more resources to deal with abuse investigations. And it goes on and on that they need a lot more cash, etc. And um, it says the bills will go up by three Point six five pounds per year after Mr. Agrid, the Norfolk constabulary, needed a bigger share of the country's or the county council's budget in order to properly investigate allegations of historic abuse. They really need to extra pay to, to, to. What else are they doing? What else are they doing, these guys? Except giving out tickets. So why not investigate this in your regular time? But anyway, I mean, Savile too boasted that uh, in other articles, they boasted that the cops were part of his, you know, all pals of his, because they were all in the same Masonic clubs. And they covered for him too, and they also took bribes, obviously. And that's the way the world really works. And um, this article here says, um, 
to do with Savile and the cops, it says. There must have been a lot of bribery. He has a lot of connections and the police and politicians right up to the Houses of Parliament. And it says a former detective with Jimmy Savile's local police force believes corrupt officers and politicians helped hide the TV star's crimes. It took a lot of hiding. There's a lot of them involved. Alan Foster, 65, said he wasn't surprised to hear Savile had boasted about his close relationship with officers. The Leeds-born star told uh, detectives in Surrey that his friends in West Yorkshire police could get rid of sex abuse claims against him. And it emerged that after they probed uh, allegations that he was a paedophile, an inspector from West Yorkshire contacted them on Savile's behalf, but his claims could not be verified. So the, the cops were actually threatening the, the, the victims at the time that were trying to bring uh, charges forward. And says, Alan, retired detective constable, says there must have been a lot of bribery. He's had lots of connections in the police and politicians right up to the Houses of Parliament. So I'll put that again tonight. Mind you, they don't mind investigating the old stuff as long as they don't pull too many of the top important people down with them. So they won't do that, guarantee you. Also, too, people don't realize all the dirty tricks that police are up to these days. You know, everything's gone like Hollywood, like the movies. And of course it has, because they're all predictive programming, even for institutions like the police forces and so on. And uh, they start to copy all the spy worlds, and they want to be in that world of fantasy and so on. Police stole the identities of dead children, it says. Undercover officers created aliases based on details found in birth and death records, this investigation shows. This is John Dengs, an undercover police sergeant, and it shows you how he appeared in the early 1990s where he posed as John Barker, a protester against capitalism. Britain's largest police force stole the identities of an estimated 80 dead children and issued fake passports in their names for use by undercover police officers. The Metropolitan Police secretly authorised a practice for covert officers infiltrating protest groups without consulting or informing the children's parents. The details are revealed in an investigation by the Garden, which has established how, over three decades, generations of police officers trawled through national birth and death records in search of suitable matches. And undercover officers created aliases based on the details of the dead children, and then they were issued with a company identity, records such as driving licenses and national insurance numbers. Some of the police officers spent up to 10 years pretending to be people who had died. So there's sleepers for you. They can be amongst you, live next door to you for years and years, and you think you're in a free country. It's not just after 9-11 this happened, folks. It was on the go long before. Every company does it too, by the way. Met said the practice was not currently authorised, but announced an investigation into past arrangements for undercover identities used by SDS Special Demonstration Squad officers. Keith Vaz, the chairman of Parliament's Home Office Affairs Select Committee, said he was shocked at the gruesome practice. Why, why are you shocked? It shouldn't be in the movies. It would only cause enormous distress to families who discover what's been happening concerning the identities of their dead children. Uh, and so on, it's, and he's suitably shocked and all the rest of it. So the technique of using dead children's aliases has remained classified in intelligence for several decades, although it was fictionalized in Frederick Forsyth's novel, The Day the Jackal. As a result, police have internally nicknamed the process of searching for suitable identities, identities as the Jackal Run. One formal undercover agent compared an operation on which he was deployed to the methods used by the Stasi. So they're all using the same techniques. And it gives you a detailed account of how they 
used all these sort of things and so on. And, uh, but it was amazing too, is that, you see, if you start any true grassroots uh, organizations up, you're going to be infiltrated before you know it, so quickly. And the person will look like you, they'll dress like you, and they'll have all the lingo, because the, the, whatever act, faction you belong to, you all have your own little jargon, he knows it all and so on, he's been briefed on it all, he's studied previous actions that they've been involved in. And then you become a, a real loudspeaker and you'll believe this guy, his guy will be a great psychopath because they are psychopathic, by the way. These characters that they hire for this, they're giving tests to make sure they're psychopathic. They'll be very likable. And then you give them more and more power to they lead the group. That's how they do it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and cutting through the matrix, talking also about, you understand life is becoming cheap and that's the whole point of it. Not only demoralized and many folk are jobless, they have no future in this world, it's going to get a lot worse too. And because uh, high taxation across the board and lots of fees are coming down the pike to make sure that, they, you know, you, you, there's no more disposable income left. It's all going to be in energy and, and rent and everything else and so on. That's the big agenda. But life is cheap too, and you've been taught that. Remember that Julian Huxley at, uh, was at UNESCO, or UNICEF, but anyway, he mentioned uh, in one of his talks, and I've read it on the air verbatim from his talk, where he said we've got to knock man off his pedestal as being something special on the planet. And that's been done, been done over many years. Still been, you're still being taught that now too, with lots of, you know, documentaries on overpopulation nonsense. Where they always show you the, the, this year you always use Bombay and places like that and Calcutta, but, but so now that they've, they've brought so many immigrants into Britain, overcrowded it and stuffed them together, you can look at any big city in Britain, it's, it's just much the same. And in fact, you wouldn't even know which country you were in sometimes, but anyway, the fact is you're, you're being taught there's too many people, even though the native populations have been drastically declining in population, according to the United Nations itself, for the last 20, 30 years, because they were good, they were doing what they were told, they were having abortions, not having children, and if they did have children, they have maybe one point, whatever it's supposed to be. And then, of course, they said, well, there's not enough getting born to pay the national debt off. So that was his excuse for opening up the floodgate. But it's just an excuse because the whole of Europe's like this. They're all supposed to take immigrants in, but they're not. They're not all doing it. And Britain certainly does do it. In fact, it's been told to do it by the EU, this super Soviet parliament. And... Um, and it's been taking them in, even though there's less and less work all the time, and massive taxation on everybody. Anyway, part of the thing, too, is life is cheap, as I say. Three conservative MPs in Canada are calling on the Mounties, RCMP, to launch an investigation into hundreds of post-abortion killings, arguing that the children died outside their mother's birth canal and that the procedures constituted potential homicides. Now, there's a slant in the paper because it's Globe and Mail and they're all for it, but so is every other paper for it too because they're owned by the same people who don't mind that because you can allow it in certain religions, abortion. 
It says the complaint from MP Maurice Villacott, Leon Benoit and Vladislav uh, Lison is the latest move by the anti-abortion wing of the Conservative Party, including recent parliamentary motions aiming to make it harder for women to terminate pregnancies. And it says here, the NDP, now the National Democratic Party is left of Karl Marx, you know, believe it or not, uh, said the Conservative MPs are wrongly equating abortion with murder while Prime Minister Stephen Harper rebuked his backbenchers and repeated that his government will not reopen the, the divisive debate. So I think all members of the House, whether they agree or not, understand that abortion is legal in Canada. Still, the opposition accused the Conservative Party of continually resorting to backbenchers to reopen the abortion debate. It says these Conservatives want the RCMP to investigate abortions as if they were murderers. So on Thursday, Mr. Villacott's office released a letter calling for police investigations into what appears to be homicides. The complaint was filed with RCMP Commissioner Bob Paulson last week, referring to 491 abortion-related deaths that were counted by Stats Canada between 2000 and 2009. The killings appear to have started out as attempted abortions, but the babies were born alive. They survive, and then they get killed after birth. That's a big difference, folks. You understand, because it's got so common, all this kill them anyway, and no one cares anymore than today, uh, then they just keep pushing the envelope. Well, where will it end? We've already had certain people from, from a certain group come out before saying, well, we don't believe that really a person until they're about three, so we can come up to the age of three. I've read that article in there too. So where does it end if there's no law at all? Yes, it says RCMP confirmed it received the letter but did not make further comments. And it says, um, in an interview with Mr. Villacott, said he's trying to make sure the law is upheld in cases where there was an assault on a child prior to birth and that the child was neglected or further assaulted after birth. He said the Mounties shouldn't use all investigative techniques at their disposal as part of their probe. Aside from whatever people's views are on the bigger abortion question, any law-abiding citizen must follow through in terms of any breaches of the criminal code of this magnitude. And that's true. If they're born, they're born, right? You don't go and kill them after they're born. So anyway, I'll put this article up tonight, and for anybody who cares at all about what's happening in the world like that, most folk don't care anymore. They're so dehumanized by the media and television and movies. And Poland, of course, Poland was a staunch Catholic country, and they underwent a massive uh, purges, domination, domination by a different group, actually, a different religion who ran the communist system over them. And they know all this, too, and all the Poles are listening, no one telling the truth, they all know this, too. And um, the same group really are at it again, because they've done it all over the world, the same groups, getting uh, any reference to Christianity removed from city halls, uh, opening prayers at city halls, all that. That was all done in Canada, too, because maybe one or two people from the same groups would come down and object to it, you see. So the Polish court rejects a call to remove the crucifix from the parliament, it says. And the Polish court has rejected a motion calling for the removal of a crucifix from parliament's debating chamber in a case pitting Poland's traditional Catholicism against a younger generation who think the church is too strong. Well, it's not against a younger generation. It's a specific part of a younger generation who have been told to push it like their parents did before them. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, talking about Poland and how they're getting attacked now by the same group that's been attacking all over the planet. And uh, they go into the guise often of liberal uh, parties and so on, uh, but they're the most intolerant people in the world, the so-called liberals. In fact, you get so many laws passed, you can't even talk about certain things or, or even be offended. But mind you, there people can, can walk in and say, that offends me, that little symbol hanging on there. I take it down, and you're supposed to take it down. So they're complete liars, you see. It's an agenda, folks. It's an agenda. And it says the court also chastised the anti-clerical Palakots movement party led by former vodka tycoon Janus Palakot, which brought the court case, accusing it of calling for tolerance, yet failing to show acceptance of religious symbols, just what I've just said there. They're always talking about tolerance and, and acceptance. But, if you, and, but they're the guys who send folk in to try and destroy what's left of a, a, a cultural symbol. And it's a cultural symbol for these countries, remember, too, because way back it made them who they are. But who you are mustn't be destroyed, and these guys know it, like Palakot. This is the party has tapped Poland's growing secularization to become the country's third largest political force. It said it would appeal the decision. The court failed to show objectivity in its decision, said Andrew Rosen, uh, one of the party's parliamentary deputies. We'll appeal this and then seek to have any unfavorable decisions overturned. We're determined so the past should take us all the way to Strasbourg, he said, referring to the European Court of Human Rights, the EU Parliament. Since Poland's rightist politicians hailed the court's decision, saying it reflected the feelings of most Poles. Most Poles are Catholic as part, as I say, their whole culture and history. But that all has to be destroyed, to with everybody else that's been destroyed. You see? Since this case was a grotesque joke, said Andrew Jaworski, a deputy of the opposition party and justice party and head of the party's committee to, to fight atheism, it was part of Palakov's movement war against the cross, which it is. Palakot's party includes Poland's first transsexual deputy, and its only openly homosexual one, and its agenda includes the legalization of marijuana and same-sex partnerships, the same mandate that the EU is pushing, and so is the UN across the whole planet. Mind you, you have to be torn of all this stuff, remember, and not be offended. But if they can be offended about you, but you can't be offended about them. That's illegal, you see. When it entered Parliament in 2011, Palakot demanded the removal of the wooden cross that hangs above the entrance in the main chamber, saying it violated the Polish constitution and influenced parliamentary decisions. <laughs> but they use any excuse at all to do away with what they say is that hated symbol. A long, long war has been on the go, and folk have no idea of it, or even most of them don't even know who's behind it. The money, the power, and the insanity of Bill Gates, it says, the planned Parenthood depopulation agenda. And it seems almost impossible these days to pick up a mainstream propaganda sheet without Bill Gates appearing somewhere in the ether of spin doctors. He's doing God's work according to him. I mentioned that last week there. And I put a link from the Telegraph where he talked about he's doing God's work, just like the guys in the Federal Reserve during inquiries say when I've crashed the country and plundered you, I was doing God's work. Can you hear these things and never think anything about it? They mean what they say. You understand who these people are. (laughs) 
says, we've heard that the megalomaniacal reasoning given behind some of the, the worst acts of genocide in recent history, Adolf Hitler being the most obvious, actually he's not the most obvious, maybe the most obvious because you've known about, do you know, 60 odd million were killed even during Lenin's time. They wiped out the whole middle class. They slaughtered them in Russia. The whole lot. And, and even, even Trotsky said that, we have wiped out a race, he says, and a whole class of people. Very happily he said that too. But anyway, he says, Gates has now declared that he'll personally eradicate polio from the face of the earth with his commitment of billions of dollars through his Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation philanthropic charity. And it says, what we don't read within this article is of the same foundation's links and financial backing to the International Federation of Planned Parenthood. You know, the, the one who started, Mrs. Mrs. Sanger, who had dumped five children of her own, mind you, because she was special. She, the, the poor folk, she said, their children were called weeds. They're all weeds, you see. The primary abortion services provided on the planet, with the majority of those aborted being from ethnic minority groups, particularly in North and South America, where planned parenthood's abortion clinics under the guise of reproductive health centers are located in poor minority group neighborhoods. Planned Parenthood was born in 1942, if you'll pardon the pun, from the Birth Control League in the U.S., which was founded in 1921. And it gives you a brief control of the birth control movement, and a link to that one too. Anyway, it says, a show in the article above, the Birth Control League was founded by Margaret Sanger. She loved, she loved, uh, she loved Adolf, but she also loved Stalin. She loved powerful people, you see. And she says, um, however, that isn't, uh, doesn't reveal is that her fellow co-founder was none other than fa- the father of Bill Gates. Do you know that? Bill Gates' daddy, William H. Gates Sr., was the founder of, the co-founder of, uh, uh, Planned Parenthoods. And he's out the world, you're injecting everybody, saying this will bring down the population, and you can't quite clue in because you're all being dumbed so much down. That fact was admitted by Bill Gates back in May 2003 in an interview with veteran, veteran broadcaster Bill Moyers, where Gates stated that my dad was head of Planned Parenthood, and it was very controversial to be involved with that. Mind you, so was, was Julian Huxley as well. He got an award from them. It's just to understand why this is significant, we have to go back to the writings of Margaret Sanger, in which she makes many startling statements with regard to not only birth control or population control or abortion, but in particular her aversion to children in general, and in particular her overt hatred of black children. She says, we do not want to go out, uh, we do not want it to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population, she said, if it ever occurs to any of their more, more rebellious members. And... Um, that's in uh, A Social History of Birth Control in America by Linda Gordon. That's one of the statements. Human weeds, reckless breeders, spawning human beings who never should have been born. Margaret Sanger, pivot of civilizations. Just what she said that, referring to immigrants and poor people. In a letter to Dr. Clarence Gamble, Sanger stated, we should hire three or four colored ministers, preferably with social service backgrounds and with engaging personalities. The most successful educational approach to the Negro is through a religious appeal. We don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. So, she was also an avid supporter of Hitler, but she also Stalin too, she wrote both, and wrote to him personally on a number of occasions praising his work, and so on. And, for, for, and she praised him for killing the unfit or feeble-minded. 
And it was, a, it, was a, it was a psychiatric association that was involved in that. A lot of them became Nazis, and and uh, and some of them even fled Nazism when Nazis turned on them and came to America. So it's quite interesting to see that um, it's the same agenda that's ongoing today, but it's not just the blacks today. It's they want. Uh, I should have got lots of articles here, but I can't even read you on there actually. But anyway. He's in that article, Man with the Fourth Amendment written on his chest wins a trial over the airport arrest, it says. And a Virginia man who wrote an abbreviated version of the Fourth Amendment on his body and then stripped to his shorts at an airport security screening area won a trial Friday in his lawsuit seeking 250,000 damages for being detained on a disorderly conduct charge. Aaron Toby claimed in a civil rights lawsuit and the PDF is here. Then 2010, I'll put all these links up tonight, remember, at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. He was handcuffed and held for about 90 minutes by the Transportation Security Administration at the Richmond International Airport after he began removing his clothes to display on his chest a magic marker protest of airport security measures. Amendment 4 says the right of the, per- the people, the rights of the people to be secure against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. His chest and, and on his stomach it read. And sending the case to trial unless there's a settlement, the fourth U.S. Secret Court of Appeals ruled two to one and reversed a lower court judge and invoked Benjamin Franklin in the process, according to the opinion by Judge Roger Gregory, and that's this here too. It says here Mr. Toby engaged in a silent, peaceful protest using the text of the Constitution. He was well within the the ambits of First Amendment protections. And while it's tempting to hold that First Amendment rights should be acquiesced to national security in this instance, our forefather Benjamin Franklin warned against such a temptation by opining that those who can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. We take heed of his warning and are therefore unwilling to relinquish our First Amendment protections even in an airport. It says, Toby didn't want to go through the advanced imaging technology X-ray machines or so-called nude body scanners that were cropping up at airports nationwide. Instead, when it was his turn to be screened, he was going to opt for an intrusive pat-down and remove most of his clothing in the process. Saves time. Amongst other things, the federal lawsuit claimed that wrongful detention and a breach of the First Amendment and Fourth Amendment, Toby was on his way to Wisconsin for his grandmother's funeral. Despite his attainment, he made this flight. So... He's got the lawsuit in, and looks like he's winning. And what Paul Fogner realized, too, is uh, I've mentioned before about uh, Professor Carl Quigley and his book, The Anglo-American Establishment, where he admits that the group that he belonged to, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organization, and this Council on Foreign Relations, private organization that runs all of your media, all of it. He even goes into it in the book how they give out different kinds of magazines in, in different cities, even in capital cities, for, for bureaucratic types. They, they know exactly how to target them so they get the right up stories, the right opinions in their heads. And how it's so easy to manipulate them all, right down to the lower classes too. He also talks about them, how they had to have wars, world wars, to bring about a collapse so they get on their knees and and go into this world-type government idea. And he mentions, too, the long history of it with the with the groups that formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Sounds very, very proper, like it's part of the government, but it's not. It's private. And it's international bankers that set it up. 
and um, our other Rothschilds and Cecil Rhodes, and then Lord Alfred Milner, who came from Germany and was a banker too, and, uh, and many other ones too. So they decided to take the world over and all of its minerals, its, its, uh, all of its uh, everything you need, water, food, the whole lot, to bring this in. But they would, be, being the right kind of people, they should own it and distribute it, it fairly and properly to us all once they get their global government. And so it, it's already there. However, it, it talks about the fact that the Royal of International Affairs set up and wrote up the drafting for European integration. Folk don't know that either. Same for American integration. They were the guys behind that. They actually came out on Korean television and talked about it for the first time openly. Anyway, it says, Europe remains the cornerstone of U.S. engagement, Biden says. And Europe remains the cornerstone and the catalyst for American engagement with the world, Vice President Biden said. And Munich, it says, the Vice President spoke at the annual Munich Security Conference. We also addressed the situation with Iran and what the nations of the world can do together to confront the terrorist threat. I guess he's talking about himself and his own people. I don't know. The Munich Conference is one of the preeminent gatherings of security leaders in the world, and Biden is not a stranger to the group. As a senator on Foreign Relations Committee, he often journeyed to Munich, and he last addressed the body in 2009 as a newly elected vice president. The sanctions that the world has placed on Iran are working, he says. The vice president He stated that the U.S. position on Iran is not containing the rogue nation from gaining nuclear arms, but, pre- from pre- but preventing it, he says. We've also made clear that Iran's leaders need not sentence their people to economic deprivation and international isolation, he said. There's still time, there's still space for diplomacy, but by pressure to succeed. The ball is in the government of Iran's court, and it's well past time for Tehran to adopt a serious good-faith approach, I guess, and become as destitute as all the other countries that has been massacred and brought back to the Stone Age over there. Uh, Biden contrasted what the world was like when he last addressed a conference. Says four years ago, the world was mired in the deepest economic downturn since the Great Depression. Well, it still is, you know, that's the agenda. Today, times remain tough for many Americans and European families, but conditions are improving, I guess, maybe in where Biden lives. The U.S. and European nations must work to put their economies on a sound footing, he says. That, after all, is the key to national power and influence. Now, he's part of the same group. He's been in politics his whole darn life, like all the rest of them. They helped to ship all the factories off to China and get the World Trade Organization drafted up so that we'd, we'd fund, uh, we taxpayers funded all the factories to move. We also fund all their losses for the first 10 years for those who claim they have losses. Isn't that a great deal? Every, you keep voting for these idiots. Just, the parties are all the same. They're all in and they act. They're all vetted before you see them. Doesn't matter what party they're in. And Quigley also said that too. They're all our men. And, um, and here, here, here's a joker saying that your economy is going to eat more bagels that you pass around. I mean, what is it? You're making nothing. And you're still dishing money across the whole planet. And you're still fighting other people's wars, too. <laughs> anyway, it's quite interesting to talk about, because he also goes into North Africa and some of the plans they have for Africa and how that they bring in France and so on to get back into Africa and so on and so on. So I'll put this article up tonight for those who can keep track of anything in these days where they're throwing so much at us. Also, what's up with that? He talks this is about uh, an encouraging admission of lower climate sensitivity by a hockey team scientist. 
along with new problems for the IPCC and how actually global warming's just not cooperating, all the usual stuff, etc., etc. I won't stop it because it must be, they must get these big carbon taxes going across the world to, again, not just get big money coming in for themselves at the top, but also to, to change your way of life and dominate you. I'm not kidding you. That's what it's all about. How are you going to live from birth to death? In Britain, it's so bad now with Big Brother. And remember, Britain is like a flagship for the rest of you. Copy, especially in, in, in the U.S. and Canada and Australia and New Zealand. Big Brother, is to, this is the government now, is to, is to log your drinking habits and your waist size as doctors are forced to hand over confidential records. This is the latest thing. Data includes weight, cholesterol, BMI, family health history, and pulse rate. And the doctors will be forced to reveal alcohol consumption and smoking status. Privacy campaigners describe it as the biggest data grab in the National Health Service history. That's why they love National Health Services, folks. It's not to help people. It's to dominate people and run your lives. Part of the new health service program is called Everyone Counts. Well, that's the money that's going out of your fingers, you're counting. Officials insisted that data will be anonymous and deleted after analysis. They're such liars. They've lied in everything you've ever been told for the last hundred-odd years. <laughs> so anyway, the files will be stored in a giant information bank that privacy campaigners say represents the biggest data grab in history. They warned the move would end patient confidentiality and hand personal information to third parties. Well, of course it will. It includes weight, cholesterol levels, body, mass index, pulse rate, family, health history, because it's all eugenics too, folks, for those who haven't caught on, alcohol consumption and smoking status. I guess you can still drink alcohol and smoke, then they're going to tax you more until you can't, because uh, that's probably how they see how wealthy you are. Can you still can you still eat? What does it eat? Can you get meat? Oh, oh tax on more. Back with more after this. I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the system, the big system that we're in, and truly is a matrix because it's all to do with perception management, you understand, and a Fabian technique of introducing changes, especially cultural changes, step by step, very slowly initially. And again, you're hooked on things, mainly through fictional stuff that you'll watch in movies. That's how it's put into your mind. Your firewall's down then. You're not suspicious of anyone trying to con you. But um, here's an article, too, about the nutcases, and, and, and there's lots of nutcases out there at the top who will use anything to get the agenda through, because they're all on the same agenda. This is a war between of these people on the general public. Former CEO of Playboy blames Chicago's murder rate on climate change. No kidding, eh? Says the former CEO of Playboy magazine, Christy Hefner, appeared on MSNBC this morning to discuss gun control. So isn't it gun control as well? When discussing gun violence in Chicago, Hefner went into it. Have you ever seen the, the violence they do and all these porno stuff? You've read all the stories of the women who were injected up with all kinds of drugs and stuff to perform, you know. Hefner went into a diatribe screaming how climate change has increased temperatures, therefore leading to the heightened levels of violence, he says. He works closely with the Center for American Progress. You should look at that Center for American Progress and say, who is directing this progress? You know that Hefner, who started up the, the, the whole thing, Playboy, 
And he got the Benny Brith Award. I'm not sure for what. For destroying society or something like that, I guess. But uh, I'll also put up um, Judith Reisman, of course, who's done incredible work on exposing all these pervs and people who deliberately got children in, involved. It's really, really pushed pedophilia big time in all their magazines. No wonder you've got children at four and five having oral sex uh, in schools and playgrounds now. So, But these are the characters they put up there because they're rich. And, and you understand the masses love rich folk to follow. It doesn't matter what they've done. They're, they're stinking rich and folk are quite happy with that. And also, this article here is to do with uh, the new the, the new houses for the poor, the ordinary folk, the ordinary Joe, you know. And we've heard about these little ones in, in San Francisco. They're churning out these little cubicle type of things called homes. Well, here's Britain. It says, room with a view. It says, disused garages are to be turned into 11 pounds a week pop-up homes in a bid to solve London's housing crisis. An architect's plans for the tiny flats on East London housing estate shows you a plan of them and all that. And it says, forward-thinking architects have come up with a new way to solve the UK's chronic housing shortage, converting garages into tiny homes. A row of -of out-of-use lock-ups, and it shows you some of them in in streets and so on. You have £11 a week is all you'll pay for the mini-house. To start with, that is, is like always which are set to cost around £13,000 to convert this piece of rubbish. The designs were inspired by a row of garages which have been standing unused on the Lochner Estate in Dalson, East London. And who's the architecture firm? Oh, it's Levitt Bernstein has proposed to set up its pop-up homes in spaces like the garages, which are awaiting permanent redevelopment. I wonder if he's got money involved there too. So each home will measure 11.5 square metres, and contain a bed, kitchen, bathroom with room for a small table and two chairs. Every fifth garage is set to be turned into a communal area with a laundry, exit kitchen equipment and a dining space. No kidding, eh? Isn't that just wonderful? Isn't that wonderful, folks? That's your future coming down as you become more austere and pay all your money to taxes and fees for the privilege of being alive. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, It's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.